Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 925 with Brandon Landry. It's it's our vision, right? It's what we aspire to be. It's not we aspire to be the biggest, the baddest, the most restaurants, the highest sales volume. Let's be more than a restaurant. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. I don't need to tell you that it's harder than ever right now to be a restaurateur. The cost of goods are going up. Labor expenses are going up. People don't want to work in the industry. Anybody who had experience has, has gone on to different verticals or different industries. And we are just stuck with a lot of people who are very green. And how, how do we increase sales if nobody knows how to sell? Well, you empower them with the right tools. And one tool out there that you need to know about is called S. RV, which stands for Study Restaurant Variety, created by Roger Bodwin from Restaurant Rockstars, a name I'm sure you recognize for his multiple appearances on the show, and his co-founder and co-creator, Zaylin Jacobson, who you'll be working with. This is a tool that will help your team memorize your menu, your uh, your culture, uh, everything, anything you need to train them, your entire training manual is now in an app and accessible anywhere. And really what it is, is an interactive learning tool. And it's a great way to invest in your team and to make them feel valued. There's a lot of data supporting that. This is how the next generation of professionals prefer to learn. So if you need a tool out there to empower your staff, to train your staff, uh, to, to give them the knowledge they need to be sales stars, then check out srvnow.com click the link that says request a demo and that will bring you to a page where you fill out your information the very last field make sure you let them know that restaurant unstoppable sent you their way they will pay us a commission of one thousand five hundred dollars if you use that link and you you sign up with them and i just have to say thank you in advance we're trying to take restaurant unstoppable to the next level and this is one way we can do that by just spreading the word about these tools and uh, I believe in what they're doing over there. So you're in good hands. Uh, thank you in advance. All right. Do it now. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant on 
Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, the founder and CEO of Walk-Ons and the newly launched Supper Club, Brandon Landry. My man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am very unstoppable. Dude, you are. South Louisiana, man. You seriously are unstoppable. Your story is inspiring. Like The the whole concept of Walk-Ons is is your life, is your story. That's it, man. It's going for it. So we're going to get into it. Before we do, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Yeah, so this is something I tell our team each and every time I get in front of them. It's people don't care how much you know. They care how much you care. Yes. Why is that your quote? Well, because I am an example of that, right? And once we get in our story, I guess you'll hear a little bit more about it. But I didn't know a damn thing Mm. when I opened up right across the street right there almost 20 years ago. Yeah. But I knew how to be a great teammate. Mm. And I knew that, you know, I was that former walk on, right? Yeah. And, and so I, I knew to, to care about our team and care about our teammates. And honestly, that's how we got in the business. That's the only thing we knew 20 years ago is let's create a team, let's take care of them, and we can achieve some pretty crazy things. Yeah. And here we are two decades later, and we're, now we're talking about them. One of the restaurant unstoppable core values is show up, and that is showing up, right? That's there. it. That's half the battle is just giving enough and showing up. And people pick up on that and people will show up for you if you show up for them absolutely man great way to get this thing started so what is the ethos of walk-ons there's a there's a story that is very close to your life you're before the restaurant industry you are a walk-on you're literally a walk-on tell that story yeah so i I grew up in south louisiana right here about 30 miles south of where we are right now in baton rouge a little town called white castle and uh i came to lsu and uh, inspired to play basketball i was pretty decent high school basketball player not really recruited if i wanted to go anywhere i'd have, I'd have had to walk on pay my own way and mm-hmm. so i said you know what I, I want to play at lsu i grew up shack days just just going in the pmac and where was lsu's game back like what where were they where did they rank give us some perspective as at so. that time not very well coach the legendary coach dale brown was just finishing up his career and so it was first year coach john brady and um they were they were going on probation and so the coaches were going on probation. Yeah, the wow. the, the program. Okay. Uh, they had some illegal legal recruiting violations and things wow. like that that they had to deal with. And so um, I, I tried out for the team and I uh, got cut. And I said, you know, okay, maybe it wasn't for me. I grew up a sugar cane farmer's son. So I said, maybe I'll just go work on the farm. And uh, got into the season, I guess, a month or so. And some of the new players decided they didn't want to play with this new coach. Oh, okay. And so they didn't have enough players to practice with. And so one of my best friends and a equipment manager on the team, Anthony Piazza, he called me up one day and he said, hey, coach, I asked if you want to come and practice because they don't have enough players. Yeah. And so I said, hell yeah. yeah. And so I'm in. And so uh, he said, all right, be here at 6, six tomorrow morning. And I showed up at 5. Ready to roll. Nice. And um, the rest is kind of history. You know, I, I ended up making the team then, and four years later, I was, I was a walk-on. But it was, uh, it's it, like you said, it's everything that, that we do and we talk about and the way we live today 
was inspired by those days of being a walk on. Man, I love it. Your your success quote is shining through right now. Just just care and just show yep. up. Show up an hour early. Were you the first one there? Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I was the for the majority of the years that I was there. I but mean, that uh, speaks, man. That speaks yeah. volumes. It, it, it speaks to your character. It, it speaks to your desire, and it, it opens doors. And it looked like it did open a door for you. Well, look, I. I I figured out pretty early on that I wasn't probably the most talented guy on the team. And, and so I had to outwork him, yeah. right? And just, just to have a spot, just to have a uniform, mm-hmm. just to have a locker. Uh, it, it wasn't because I was 6'10 and could jump out the gym, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I had to do something different to separate myself, and, and it was all about work and, mm-hmm. and being a great teammate. So did you ever make the starting uh, lineup? No, no. No, in fact um, – I mean, wait, I'll tell you this. I mean, once I get into the story, I mean, I actually, my, my senior year, I played seven minutes. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, if you know anything about basketball, that's not a whole fucking lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, there's seven minutes. I mean, there's 40 minutes in every damn game. I still think it's super expiring. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. Uh, just yeah. To, to literally walk on, just to go for it. And, I mean, usually in the first half hour of the conversation is what were you doing before opening a restaurant? But right. you literally went from... Were you working in restaurants before? Yes. Like, so, what's the story? Like I mentioned, I grew up a former son, and so it, I didn't have any restaurant experience yeah. growing up as a kid. And it, it was it was around our sophomore junior year um, that that we were literally uh, traveling throughout the SEC, throughout the country. Um, and and actually that that year, our junior year, we had a pretty good team. And so as we traveled throughout the country, we were going to all these different places, these different restaurants, and these different yeah. bars, and we saw an opportunity. Uh, that that something that we felt like Baton Rouge needed, and uh, so we said, man, we we ought to do this one day. And that's honestly when I first started working in restaurants. Um, so you started working in restaurants because you wanted to open because I wanted to open a restaurant. That. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so any key mentors, any people, like what was your evolution? Like, take us through like the the big turning points for you in in getting prepared to do this. Right. So so. We were literally on the way back from a, a game at University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And my founding partner, Jack Warner, teammate of mine, he was a, he was a walk-on as well. Uh, we were literally on the airplane flying home. And, you know, those little BevNaps you got on the planes. Uh, we started doodling. And the, the, the original restaurant was drawn right then wow, and there on, cool. on a napkin. And so we came back and we did it at an entrepreneurship. At LSU, we had an entrepreneurship class. Got it. And... Um, it, we had to do a business plan, and we said, you know what? Let's do it on walk-ons. Maybe, yeah. maybe this thing will come come to light nice. one day. And so we did, and uh, we we did it as a school project. We did the business plan. We thought we had all our shit together, and uh, we got a C on the project. I think rest. I, I think I did a project around restaurant. You were bringing back memories of when I well, went back to school for hospitality and marketing, and I yeah. think I did something similar with the podcast. It's, oh, you did. It's it's great when. I we're mean, C students, man. Yeah. We're, we're average, right? But I mean, at the same time, I think if you're listening to this and you are young, you still are in school, like try to figure out how you can kill two birds with one stone. Like, Absolutely. If you have to go to school, you might as well be trying to like serve yourself literally like in life and use class curriculum to get ahead. And I think so many times people just go through the motions of school. They're not being intentional with that experience. No doubt. You right. sound like super work. I agree with that hundred percent just because a lot of times you're in school just to get the credits, right? Yeah. Or you just get to the next semester. But I think if, if you, maybe you don't 
you maybe you haven't figured it out what you want to do for the rest i still at that time i didn't know mm-hmm. you know like i said i didn't grow up the rest say man i want to be a restaurant tour one day but it was an idea yeah but we took advantage of that opportunity so did todd grapes one of my very best friends with oh, todd's raising, on my he's yeah. on my radar yeah so i mean he lives a if mile li- from here if you're listening to this todd open invitation yeah. love to make it happen. yeah but he got a seat uh, yeah. on on his project as well and so uh we did. We, it, it, look, it, so we, this year, when you pass this project in, your your um, your walk ons business plan project, they gave you a C. Mm-hmm. Did you bring this this to your professor and be like, "How's that C looking now?" Well, you know, it's <laughs> it, it's it's funny. So he was one of those guys that saw something in us and and said, "Look, it, it wasn't necessarily the idea. We just needed some help with the business plan." And so he told us, he said, look, if you guys are serious about this and you need, you want to work on this before you actually go pitch it to banks or anything like that, hit me up. And he goes, I'd be willing to help you guys if you're serious about it. And so that, that. that walk on mentality, we were like, hell yeah. Well, yeah. well, if you're willing to help us, we'll, we'll take you up on that. And so we did. And, and we walked, we, we worked with Dr. Justice for years. And in fact, you know, look, looking ahead, Dr. Justice, is yeah, his, is? Dr. Dr. Robert Justice was, was his name. Was that the professor? Uh, yeah, that was. Oh, the professor. I thought you were calling Todd Graves Doctor Justice. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, no, is that his nickname? No, we we call him Doctor Chicken Finger. <laughs> so Doctor Justice. Uh, yeah, so Doctor Justice, and uh, actually, probably uh, he was there for another fifteen years, and he invited me back to speak to that class every year and tell our story. Uh, before that class did their business plan as well, and so we formed a good good friendship and a relationship over the years, and so. Uh, like I said, we, we, we ended up doing the project and we worked on it for years and we started working in restaurants. Then that's when we said, man, if we're going to do this. And we went and got hired at Rafino's with Peter and Ruffin and uh, Mellow Mushroom over here. And we worked, I think we opened up the 892nd Chili's uh, down the street here, just, just going through the training programs and everything that we could possibly pick up and being a, a restaurant owner. So let's go through this. So I have we have Doctor Justice, we have Rafinos, we have was it Magic Mushrooms. What was what do you call it? M- Mellow Mushroom. Mellow yeah, Mushroom. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, chilies. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you learned something in all these experiences, but let's go in chronological order. Doctor Justice. He was your professor, right? Correct. I'm, I'm going to make sure. I yes. It. What were the biggest things that you think he taught you? Like, what didn't you know that he just kind of put on your radar? Like, what was the right start that he gave you? Yeah. Well, I think I think the the, the most important thing for us is that what. Your idea is not always bad, right? Mm-hmm. Just because you get a bad grade, or maybe it doesn't doesn't translate to the to the professor at the time. Uh, that you, we just needed some work of how we were preparing, especially if we were going to go to a bank or potential investors to try to invest in us. Mm-hmm. And so, so it was the way the material w- was laid out there. But also, you know, we went and started eating eating at certain restaurants and, and figured out what worked. Uh, T.J. Moran, who was a restaurateur here in town. In fact, he was the guy that Peter and guys got in business with. Yeah. Um, you know, Dr. Justice had worked with him over the years and just saw what worked for him just as far as systems and processes. And honestly, he was probably warning, warning us uh, maybe a little bit in the beginning. It's like, it's not all, it's not all what it's always so this cracked This podcast out is a giant warning. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My goal is to talk people out of opening restaurants yeah. through sharing stories. And, you know, if you listen to these stories and you still want to go for it, hopefully you can learn a thing, but also like, it's, I think it's our job to filter people out who yeah. think that it's like having a dinner party at your house every day. It's not. 
Well, you got to have a purpose, man. And and now you know. I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a little bit. It's 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 what makes us click here. And and for us in the beginning, we always knew we just wanted to bring people together. It it wasn't about how much money can we make, how many restaurants can we open, how, what, what kind of cars we can buy. It it was let and we didn't realize it being that young and inexperienced that we really had that purpose from day one. Uh, but, but it's, it's what got us through those first couple of years. And honestly, it's, it's what's contributed most to our success today as yeah. we're growing throughout the country. So Dr. Justice, um, first tried to really, you know, scare you out of it. What was he, what, what was that approach to trying to scare you out of it? How did he try to scare you out of it? Well, it's, it's, there's a lot more guys that goes into the restaurant business than just cold beer and TVs, you know, cause yeah. we were like, once again, we're, we're, we're playing basketball yeah. and, and it's, uh. It, it, we we see all the flashy things and the pretty things out that you know it, it's it's more it, than the consumer yeah, perspective absolutely yeah. there's a lot that goes into it and um but it was we had that mindset like we're doing it yeah. right we're, we're we're gonna do this we feel good about this if if anything we're gonna outwork everybody yeah. did he teach you that you need a purpose a reason no no yeah. not back then it, it wasn't necessarily we didn't get in it was more about the x and o's of running the restaurant business um you know i think the the, the purpose mission vision the things that we really stand by today was learned throughout the years and and as the as the the the, the concept in our business really grew and matured with us yeah um so what you did is what I would recommend anybody do. You get into the restaurant business. You start working for restaurants. You didn't just go to any restaurant. You went to Rafino's. Uh, give a little, I mean, if you guys did not catch Peter Scalfani's episode, make sure uh, you do check it out. He called you out to be a future guest in the show. You were, on, you were on my radar well before that. But, um, you know, he was the real, what, what really forced me, like, I got to get this guy on the show yeah. now because I have a lot of respect for what Peter did and what he does. So what was that experience like? Actually, it's one thing to learn about it. There's another thing that to be in the real world and be in it. So what was that, that, that crash course like? Yeah. So I just went and tried to be a server, right? Okay. And it's, it's fine dining restaurant. So I just wanted to learn the basic blocking and tackling of the restaurant yeah. business. And I went into the fine dining world. So I busted tables for a little bit and then I started serving and, and just understanding that, that every guest maybe isn't <laughs> as easy as it seems to be, uh, you know, especially in that world. But, you know, I, I think it was more about, you know, the, the, for me, I was really looking into what, what makes a team click, you know, what makes a business click. Because I knew about being a teammate as far as a basketball player, I knew what as far as at that age, I, I thought I knew what worked, you know, everybody kind of owning their role and making sure that, you know, how coaches, you know, it's, it's so many similarities, right? When, when you're talking about successful sports programs and teams and successful businesses mm-hmm. and the, the, the older I get and, and I look back and, and I see successful sport teams or whatever it may be and look at businesses there's so much correlation and so back then once again i didn't realize it at the at that time but i was like man this you know that manager the the, the way you know they, they they hold people accountable but they also you know, they like them right mm-hmm. and 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 i go back to the, your team doesn't care how much you know they care how much you care it, it it's it's you can tell that that person cares about this team and guess what that team will do anything in the freaking world for not only for the manager but for the business mm. and 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 so it was just picking up on things like that that by the time we opened the the original restaurant open or got it open it, it was like man let, let's just 
create trust in the team. Let, let's 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 make sure that, that we can develop these relationships. It doesn't matter if it's one of the managers or if it's a first day dishwasher. Let, let's let's appreciate them. And 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 I, honestly, that's when kind of the concept and the philosophy behind our business really started to build, whether we knew it or not. So were you in school when you got the yeah. job with Scafani? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was I was still uh, a, probably a junior in, in okay. college. Yeah. Uh, how long did you work there? Uh, over a year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you also, uh, the mushroom concept, I don't know why I can't remember the first half. Yeah, Mellow Mushroom. Mellow it's, mushroom. it's a train, chain, and they, they were actually right down the street opening okay. up. Uh, got it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Mellow Mushroom in Chile is before opening. Um, were you being? A t- are we ready to move on from Rafani? Is there are there any other lessons or things that we should pull from that experience before we move on? Yeah, I mean, look, it was uh, you, you had Ruffin and Peter. Ruffin kind of more of the the face in the front of the house, and yeah. Peter at that time was more of the, the the back of the house and making sure that the the, the food it, it was, I mean, just second to none in town at that time. So one one thing I learned about that episode um what we just got into with that episode was the the dynamic between peter and his business partner uh uh ruffin ruffin thank yeah. you very much um the where ruffin was more of the old school play like numbers driven uh it's about winning for him it was about winning the game of business oh you talking about tj yeah Is it TJ? tj yeah the original owner oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. thank yeah. you very much for correcting yeah. me so many names go through my, my yeah, tj moran yeah. yeah um were you there for that were you there? Were you fly on the wall for that? Yes, yes, and, and I wasn't, of course, in, in in those meetings or those conversations. Did you catch but, the conversation? From no, Peter. Not, no, oh, okay. Not. So Peter got into like that 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 di- dynamic. In, in my mind, listening to you talk, Peter was that manager that would do anything for you. That kind of mentality. But yeah. I don't want to. I don't. Who was that? Was that was that Peter? Who, was there somebody at um, Rufino's that you said? You know, this guy just does anything for his team. Was there one person? Yeah, it was rough, rough, and I was probably closer with it at the time. And like I said, he was the front of the house, and he was a no athlete. You know, he played football at LSU, and so he didn't grow up in the restaurant business, but he he knew about being a great teammate. And so I I think the team just really got behind him at at that time. And and like I said, Peter was handling the great cuisine coming out of the kitchen. Is there a specific story of something that Ruffin did that just kind of that that stands out in your mind as to like whoa? Like this guy cares. This guy's showing up. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. If just that the was way anything particular. I, I I think there were some um, some of the other places that we we worked at that I probably saw the other end of the spectrum that made me realize that's what we don't want to do. Yeah, and that's the a, contrast between a well ran. Yeah, it it was. It goes back to you know, and I, I won't get into the brand or anything, but but some of these brands that they that we worked for. Uh, they, they had restaurant tours or, or, or restaurant managers that just had lots of tenure, right? Mm. And and so just because you work there for twenty years or you have twenty five years of experience, it, it doesn't mean that 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 you're going to show people compassion or or and and that's what I was seeing. It's like, oh well, look at my resume. Well, nobody gives a shit, mm. you know. I mean, it, it's it's about like you you can say all you want to these kids that are, are and I was one of those kids. But if you don't respect me, I'm not going to respect you. It goes back to, to coaching, right? I mean, there's there's great coaches out there, and I think it's the, it's kind of the old school way that that was that was in transition at that time, and, and especially in today's world, uh, with with, with the, the the challenges that our industry is dealing with. Yeah. Um, you better have compassion. We'll get into that, yeah, man. We're yeah. saving that for later. But uh, So you, you move on from Rafino's, uh, and I think the lesson there is just if you're truly passionate about 
making a go at this industry, go work for the best. Surround yourself with the best. Absorb, learn, and get that crash course. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, moving forward, were you moving forward intentionally? Like, why Mellow Mushroom? Was this post-college or during college? No, it was all still during college. Okay. And, it, and my partner, Jack, at, at the time, he went and worked at Mellow Mushroom. Okay. And then both of us went and worked at Chili's when Got they it. were uh, open. I think, like I said, it was their 19, uh, eight, 892nd Chili's. 892nd Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that number was right. And, um, you know, that was one of the things it was, man, these guys have done it 900 freaking times. Let's wow. at least go learn and that's the, how they yeah. do it. Right. I, I think that's other, the other great advice, go work for the best and also go get into a chain because Absolutely. I mean, they have the systems and the process. Exactly. Yes. Um, so what did you learn about systems and processes? Like what were the biggest lessons you, you drew from that? How long were you there? Uh, we were there, so that's a funny I mean, story. You opened in two thousand three, so not that long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was it was probably yes less than a year as well, and, that, and that's a funny story. So we went, no, we we got hired um, during um, construction, and uh, I, I went and got hired as a server, and my partner Jack went and got hired as a bartender, and our potential kitchen manager went and got hired as a as a cook, as a line cook. And so we, th- we thought we had it all figured out, right? Yeah, let's let's go conquer happen. the world. Yeah. And, um, we, you know, we, we, we went in there and, uh, we, we got hired, man, we were just, we were like sponges, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just trying to absorb everything we possibly could. But then, you know, there were so much and, and, and just like, man, okay, we, you take that for granted, right? How, how they get that done or how they get that done. And it was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. dude, are we making the right decision? Like, <laughs> What were the things that scared you the most? Well, I mean, just everything that goes into uh, training, yeah. right? I, I mean, and, and, they, and we were, we were two young knuckleheads and we were like, yeah, we can do 80, 90, a hundred menu items. We're like, you know, and then you look at the Chili's menu and, it's like okay, that there's like two days of training on how to make yeah, fucking quesadilla. Every, every ingredient, every but that's I can what cuss on here, right? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. We're yeah. talking to restaurant owners. Okay. Let's, let's keep it real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. But but that again, that's the, that's the big thing that corporations do really well is the training aspect because Absolutely. they have so much turnover and that they're and they're really they're in the business of, of making restaurant people. That's what they do. So their their systems. What were the biggest systems that you pulled from the training? Yeah, I mean, what that was twenty two years ago, but right. uh, it, it's um, yeah, you know, I just think they looking back and once again, I, I was trying to be a sponge, but looking back, just understanding they had an answer for everything, mm-hmm. whether it's you know the color, the, the the chips had to be, you know, so that was literally down to a second, right? Mm-hmm. Like like how many seconds they cook the chips yeah. for, and they have to do that, and and now who are you know over 70 restaurants and and we i understand that now yeah. why like, do you understand it now but because it's not about brandon it, it's not about oh yeah i can go i mean when there's one restaurant you, you can go see smell taste touch feel everything yeah and 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 you and you can you can have your finger on the pulse of everything but i mean one to two just one to two is the biggest jump 892 892 yeah you better have an answer before a question is asked yes and and honestly that that's that was our biggest challenges in the early days i I think it's maybe we're getting a little ahead but i think it's important to know that you don't have to have all the answers with one location that chili isn't because you can fix it you can be yeah yeah. absolutely it's it's never ending what's the hey somebody has a question i don't have the answer but as soon as I get the answer, it's going to be documented. So next time somebody asks a question, you know, and, and it's that 
always. And then yes. before you know it, you have a giant training manual with standards up the wazoo. Yes. And it seems overwhelming. And, and I mean, a lot of people will argue that it, it sucks the soul out of the restaurant industry. What are your thoughts on that? It's a fine line, right? I mean, I, I think it, it can. If, if everything that you do is, I'll just defer to the, to the manual, yeah. right? And, but I, I think you have to make sure you, you keep your soul and you keep your culture mm-hmm. and, and you keep the things that got you to, 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 to being successful. Mm-hmm. And, and for us, it's, yeah, we got some good burgers and beer and crawfish etouffee and boudin balls, right? And, and we, we've kind of broken the mold on the sports bar space yeah. with, with, the, with the taste of Louisiana. But kind it of all, reminds me of the Danny Myers, like, who says you can't? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, why not, right? Yeah. And but I, I think the thing that I know, the thing that really separates us is is that is our culture mm-hmm. and our purpose and our vision and, yeah. and making sure our mission is every day. I mean, every one of us have our pocket cards. <laughs> purpose, you know? vision. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it I tells it, you. I mean, and this isn't the cheat sheet, right? But I mean, it just shows you how important it is with our core values and our guiding principles and our company promise. Everything that. Literally, if you have a question, if you, if you if you're confused about something, go to this. I love that, and man. And, and it just goes back at the, the first one. If if you know every day that we're trying to bring people together, there's the answer for you. We'll get you the 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 the, the blocking and tackling the X and O's of how to fix that problem or the the answer to that question, but. Look, we're just trying to bring people together, inspire a lifestyle that celebrates the yep. underdog mindset in each and every one of us. Yeah. And what, what Brandon just did, he pulled out a card for those of you who aren't listening or sorry, aren't watching, but listening to the podcast, literally pulled out a card from his pocket, which is a, a list of the mission, the vision and purpose right there. I don't know what was on the inside of that, but it looked like it opened up. Yeah. Yeah. It's our core values and our guiding principles. Core values. And you, do you, you always have that on you? Always. Always. What about, yeah. and you said every team member has I, it on I, I, I hope to. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I won't start asking people. Yeah. If they have yeah. It on I mean, them. that's, <laughs> and, and look, it's not like, oh man, you get, you know, a, a slap on the wrist or anything, but, but I mean, m- I guarantee you, a lot of them can. They don't even need the card. I don't know how right? many thousands, and, and I don't. I don't either. But I mean, I think it just shows you how important it yeah. is to us that look. It, culture is tough to build, right? Yeah. And and it, and it has to be important to you. But it will it will go away a lot quicker than it than than it took to build it if it's not important to you, if it's not top priority. And that's you know the the, the companies, and it's not just restaurant companies, but especially restaurant companies. And, and the ones that said, we're going to start culture today. And and they freaking put a bunch of stuff on a, on a board and put it on their walls, and they never can talk about it again. I love that, that statement, too, that we're going to – today we're going to build a culture. It's like, guess yeah. what, you knucklehead? You have a culture. Culture isn't something that you decide to go out one day have. A culture it's, is a set of beliefs. It's right now, right here. Yeah. That is your culture. It's, it's a set of beliefs, yeah. right? It's a set of beliefs that everybody's trying to keep, achieve this common goal. Yeah. And, 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 and that's what's really cool about when you get, when you build something. And, and that goes back to, look, it sucked in the beginning. Like we're talking about now, not having systems or processes or anything like that. But I'm so glad looking back now that we got through it, that, that we had to build it from from the inside right from we built the heart first mm. and 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 then the body and the limbs and everything came on that but but it started with this did you really have that at what at what point did that card no and and, and not I, that card I, but the 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 purpose vision mission so, so it was it was an evolution right throughout the years but and i'm sure we'll get to covid yeah. but what what when we got to covid and and honestly it it was 
COVID was like we, we had time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, uh, we're shut down. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we could sit here and say, oh, feel sorry for ourselves. Or, look, we're coming out of this. Yeah. We're going to come out of this shit stronger than we went into it. Let, let's dig in deeper. Let's make sure we're clearly defined and refined on everything we can about our culture. But it was, it was like I said, it was an evolution throughout the years. What, and, and, and I think well, it I think it changes for companies over time yeah. as well. Let's start to get into that evolution. So at what point did you actually go out and make an attempt at building the first walk-ons, which is literally across the street from where we're sitting right now. We're sitting in the HQ right now. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are watching the video portion of this, and if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, you could be watching this video. Yeah, we don't. As you can tell, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Here, <laughs> if you can see, I mean, it's yeah, it's, man, it's it's pretty it's, great. It's, space. it's a big dude, perfect for for restaurant I, tours. I walked into this place. I was like, "Is this a second walk-ons?" <laughs> I was like, "What's what's happening right now?" Yeah. Uh, so we're in your HQ right now, which well, I'm assuming training goes on here. Right? Yeah. Some we we host walk-ons university yeah. uh, once a month uh, here. That and then we'll do. You know, we have our full bar here, and we can yep. do training and. So it, it it works out great for That's us. Awesome. And I mean, did we need thirty thousand square feet? No, but it was it was an old bookstore that ended up shutting down, and it's right by the the OG. So it was it was a good purchase for us. Literally the same parking lot. It is. Yeah, yeah we share a parking. Uh, lot. So yeah, so we, we were. Your question was how, how we got. Yeah, how was, we got. Yeah. So you, you guys are working at Chili's, and I'm assuming nothing between Chili's and opening your first restaurant. Yeah. So it, that was the funny story. So we're uh, we're in the, we're working at Chili's, and we're literally we, we started building uh, the first one, and the word started getting around. They're opening up this new restaurant by campus near LSU, and the, these two former walk-ons. And I remember the manager called us in to the to the office one day, and he said, uh, "I just got a question for you guys. Are, are y'all the walk-ons?" And we were like, uh, what's it to you? <laughs> <laughs> so before you even open the restaurant, you have reputation as the walk on. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we said, yeah. And, and he goes, oh, look, I appreciate, uh, you guys picking chilies, yeah. uh, you know, you know, for maybe something that you want to re- implement, but, uh, you, you gotta go. You yeah. know, you, How do you yeah. feel about that? Look, I, I mean, it's so hard to, to, to copy. I mean, like I said, it, it's, man, I could sit here. Someone can come in here and I can give you our full recipe book. I, I can give you, I mean, you can't take the heart. You can't take yeah. the human capital. You know, the, I mean, you, I'll give you the design of our newest prototype. Yeah. You know, it's good luck. Yeah. Right. And so, I, you know, at the time I was like, I get it, but. You know, looking back, I, I probably don't. I, mean, I still don't get it personally. Yeah. Um, and I know, and I'm not trying to generalize big, bigger corporations. I don't want to put everybody into that bucket. Yeah. You guys are on, you know, what are we, over 70 locations Yeah, now? 70, 70 to, uh, next week. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think you're proof that culture can exist in big or corporations, mm-hmm. but that that mentality, one of the things that I think is a, a big divide between the smaller mom and pops and the bigger corporations is I think that the smaller mom and pops recognize and accept that you are going on to do other bigger yeah. things. And my job is to make sure that happens. Yeah. My job is to make sure that this is to push you out by giving you the tools and service or the, the tools, the knowledge, the, the skills you need. I know you're going on to open another restaurant. Like yeah. I'm not stupid. I'm going to make you successful. And what happens is when you take that approach, you end up retaining those people hundred percent. And you, and that seems to be the pattern is when you give a fuck about the people and Absolutely. not just your business, then they don't want to leave you because they, because you care. Dude, vision right here. Yeah. Be more than a restaurant. We inspire a lifestyle that under embraces the underdog mindset in all of us. Yeah. And it's, so I go back to that. It, it's, 
it's it's our vision, right? It's what we aspire to be. It's not we aspire to be the biggest, the baddest, the most restaurants, the highest sales volume. Let's be more than a restaurant. Mm. And and so for us, like anytime someone comes to me and like I will always gladly help someone that's trying to better themselves. You know, whether it be through our organization or if they have a great opportunity somewhere else. But like you said, most of the time they want to stay with us or guess what? They come back. And you, when you're scaling like crazy, guess what? You're you're in now you become into the business of building your future business partners, your franchise or franchisees. Um okay, but I feel like we're we're getting keeping yeah, distracted, get. <laughs> but I'm I'm loving the conversation. So you and your two business partners say or was it, it was three one. of you? Uh, one. It was one. one. Yeah, yeah. Jack but three one. of you originally went there. No, 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 just it, two. It was just, well, our our kitchen manager ah, at the time. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Went to Chili's. So yeah. you and your business partner. Uh, can we mention names? Uh, yeah, Jack Warner. Jack was, Warner. Yeah, he was he was my founding partner. Got it. Um, and then um, uh, I can't remember that uh, Elvis. Yeah, how do I forget that name? I can't remember. That was a kitchen name. manager. Yeah, Elvis. Yeah, Elvis. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you guys kind of get discovered. Yeah, Chili's figures it out. Yeah, so we had to. Yeah, we had to. <laughs> they we, give you. They, they get rid of yeah, you. They, they did. What and happens after that? So it was. It was. Um, we 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 had our business plan right, and what they don't teach you in school is, uh, I mean, you hear about it. And you go to finance classes and you go to things like that. It's like, yeah, you put a great business plan together. You go to a bank, they lend you money, right? No. That's not the way it always works. Maybe once upon a time. <laughs> yeah. And so we go, man, we, 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 we get our little suits and we go to the first bank and, you know, we had some, uh, some investors, um, a couple family members that, that were interested in, in put, but you know I mean? It was, it was going to be, and look, we, here's the thing that being young and crazy, it was like, let's, yeah, we got to go build a, a big restaurant. We, we, we need a, and it's got to be a big spot. Like we went into this thing so ass backwards. Like we didn't go rent a 1500 square foot, you know, inline space in a shot in a strip mall to figure out, okay, is this the business to work we on your recipe? really want to <laughs> yeah. get into? Yeah. Let's figure out some recipes, yeah. maybe figure out how to schedule. Yeah. You know? I mean, something like that, but no, we, we were, it, it, once again, it all worked out. I mean, yeah. knocking on wood here, but you are the rarity because that very that, that gets people into so much trouble. They they get involved with so much overhead, crazy. and it's just like you don't you're not defined by your physical space. No, you know no. you're defined by what you put down in that piece of paper right there. Absolutely. What you're trying to do, all those things, the intangible things. Yeah, look, I, I, like you just said, I, I don't advise that. It, it, it was it it, it almost. It almost killed us before we got going, right? Yeah. Because we we designed. Uh, I mean, you'll see the original next door. It's almost ten thousand square feet, three hundred. Are plus you comfortable seats. talking about numbers for this first restaurant? Like what it yeah. took and all that. Like what was the number in your? Yeah, mind so we. I mean, we were. You, you talking about what the the loan was? Yeah, like, what, like what, yeah, we needed a couple million dollars yeah. to go do that. Once again, it, it, this we did not we did not think this out. Right? Yeah, and, and and it was looking back i mean it's i can't believe but you got it we did so but i mean so we went to bank number one yeah uh one of the bigger banks here in town probably a national brand i can't remember the exact first one but they were like yeah we love it great idea great business plan but no uh you know we can't take that risk uh you two young knuckleheads y'all you don't have any ownership experience yeah. um 
and the restaurant business is risky in itself. I mean, uh, I mean, eight out of ten restaurants. I mean, it's just you did have the economy in your favor at this time when you guys were looking to do this. Things were probably the best they've been in a long time. Yes. So this was um, two thousand two. Yeah, this was not long after nine eleven, mm-hmm. and so they were trying to get the economy stimulated again. Yeah. Right. And so basically, if you had a pulse and you could sign your name, you were getting a loan. So could you guys were you struggling? Were you tra- struggling on then <laughs> yeah. signing your name part or the pulse part? I don't. I don't know. But. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it was, once again, I, I go back to it, it wasn't a great plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 we, we just knew, like, let's go. Like, let's freaking go. Yeah. Like, we're going to do it. It wasn't, I don't know. Maybe it was just being young and dumb. and, and Or maybe unstoppable. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> so, man. I, I, that, that's got to be it yeah. because it was not, like, ever a point where we were – Oh, can can we not do this? Yeah. No, it was just like go to, go to the next bank. Yeah. So number two, no. Number three, no. Four, five, six, no, no, no. Went to number seven, the Small Business Association banker, uh, Mr. Mike Anderson. He was a banker here in town, and then he brought in Mr. Andre Fruge from uh, Louisiana Capital, a Small Business Association Bank out of Lafayette, Louisiana. Yeah. And um, I, I mentioned their names because we wouldn't be here talking. On, on your podcast if it wasn't for Mr. Mike or Mr. Andre and sat in their office after the, the sixth said no uh, and he said Mr. Andre he was a little Cajun banker from Lafayette, Louisiana low accent and he goes you guys are willing to bust your ass we'll back you <laughs> I love it and I said what does that mean Mr. Andre he says it means you got a lot of debt at an early age make sure you pay your notes on time yeah okay. alright let's roll baby um, so I'm curious you got a lot of notes Yep. Were you delivering the same pitch after every no, or was th- were things changing? Uh, it was basically the same. I mean, okay. it, it's. I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't the way we were pitching it. It, it was the size of the investment that we were wanting to make. Um, it was the lack of experience. Yeah. It, it was the industry. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the industry is tough. I mean, you reminded me of a great piece of advice I've gotten in this conversation, where somebody else was talking about going to the banks, going to the banks, and their advice was. Take away the nose. Yeah. Every time you go to a bank and they tell you no, ask why. Why? Right. Next time you go to another bank, you you fill out those why the, the nose. You take away the nose, and eventually right. they you, run out of nose. You, you run out of nose. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great way to kind of just you show up better every time. Like make that business plan one percent better every time, and eventually you take away the nose. Right. Uh, now is a great time to take our first break. To thank our sponsors, we'll be right back to talk about how you guys actually pulled this off. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often, Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, 
with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. We're back and you got the money. You told the story. You got the money. You better pay your notes. Take it from there. Yeah. So it's uh, so we're in construction in uh, 2002, and we get the original location open September 9th, 2003. September 9th. And so I'm, I'm 23 years old, and Jack is 24 years old, and we hire a staff of almost 200 team members to come run this 300-seat, almost 100-menu item restaurant wow. <laughs> as our very first one. Uh, so, so we we got you know a couple million dollars uh, in in on the on the line here. Um, some my my older brother, my father, a good family friend. They they're investors in the deal. I I still tell them this day. I I can't believe y'all 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 help guarantee these these loans because it was just so risky. Right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, we we got we opened up September two thousand three, and look we. We learned very early on that we were not ready for it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the one positive that we had going for us is this location. Did you, you know? own the building? Yeah. So so we did. Uh, we had two different companies, and that's what kind of helped the investors. I was, I was thinking they have yeah. an asset in case yeah, it doesn't work correct. Out. And that, yeah. that was basically, that, that, was the, that was the big nut, right? And, and so at the end of the day, if, if we didn't make it, uh, you know, they could probably go find a national brand, or something, especially no, with the location. Yeah. And, and, and look, with every success story you hear early on, I mean, there's some things that go your way, right? Mm-hmm. And, and getting this piece of property was, was big for us. And so, um, but like I said, we, are, we learned early on that, man, it, it was a lot more that goes into it than we actually knew, right? Did they ever tell you why they, they agreed to go into it with you, what it was that sold them about you? Well, I think they, uh, first was the real estate, uh, but I think they saw the passion. Mm-hmm. I think they, they saw um, two guys, that, yeah, maybe we didn't have the most experience in the world, but they saw that we were going to work our ass off. You had the story too. You had the brand. And I think that it's not all about brand. You can't just, you can't polish a pile of shit and, you know, make it look like you have yeah. to have something, but you had a, a, a real story, a, a true story yeah. of two people, walk-ons mm-hmm. trying to open a, a Louisiana themed sports bar right. from Louisiana state university yeah. down the street from Louisiana state. What would, what would you call the, the, the stadium? Oh, Tiger Stadium. Tiger yeah, Stadium. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's there's it, something there. There's yeah. meat on the bone, you know. There, there was, and, and those are all the, the positives, right? But it was also you got to run the business, yeah. And and that's where we just didn't have the know how. And, and looking back, you know, if we yeah, had, Tom, yeah. Let's look back. So yeah. What what was that first year like? <laughs> let's just talk about the first week. <laughs> first, <laughs> okay. the first I mean, week? it was. Uh, so we we opened up on a Tuesday. Well, the following Saturday, I mean, think about that date, September 9th, 
that football season starting, right? We're we're literally a nine iron from Tiger Stadium, which is good, but it's also you get a hundred thousand people that show up after, nine days yeah. after you're open and they're all hungry. They're all thirsty. <laughs> and we got three hundred seats and we're like, ah, oh, we could feed them all. Well, it was a shit show. Okay. It, it, it was. Uh, I mean, we we just learned early on that man, we 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 need we need help here, right? And and what help did you need? I just said, you know, the the good the bad thing was being young and inexperienced. The the, the good thing is that we knew it, yeah. And and we weren't sitting here like these seasoned restaurateurs and go, oh man, we know everything. Well, no, we don't need any help. No, it was anyone that were. I mean, we would go sit down with restaurateurs here in town or our. Um, uh, reach out to, to to friend John Chef John False was was uh, a family friend of ours here in town and reached out to him and he was you know cooking all over the world but also had restaurants and um, we we was just trying to man how do you you know when you talk about inventory you just talk about labor I mean how do you, how do you guys schedule that I mean we were just trying to learn the business but the problem is we were learning literally learning on the on the on the job and, and instead of doing it before and so. Um, and then consistency. I mean, everything. I mean, if you're going to be a restaurant, uh, look, it, McDonald's French fries, they, they taste the same right here on Burbank Drive than they do in Bangkok, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the success. I mean, that, that's a lot of the reasons for their success is consistency. And, and it just in our restaurant, I mean, you knew, you never knew <laughs> what crawfish etouffee you were going to get. <laughs> it depends if you came on a Tuesday or the weekend, uh, right? Yeah. And I mean, it, it, we became a bar that served food very quickly. So, what was the first thing that you started to do to to, to change that inconsistency? How did you get consistent? Well, I think you know we were going to we 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 came into it saying we're going to be a Louisiana inspired sports bar, right? With 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 some of the dishes, but not just all Cajun food, right? We just great burgers and cheese fries and cheese logs and things like that. But um, early on, because we didn't have that consistent, like I said, we flipped to a bar that just served some freezer to fry mediocre food. And so I think there were some defining moments uh, in, in the first couple of years uh, that, that really made us realize that, man, we're not going to be around for a long time, much less grow this thing. And the idea in the beginning, I'll be honest with you, wasn't to be a national brand. I was curious what the goal was. The yeah, I mean, we thought, I mean, of course, you had Champs Americana at the time that through our travels, we would see those places. And I mean, that's pretty cool, classy sports bar that's grown. Buffalo Wild Wings wasn't around. At the, I mean, we've, they weren't down here. Locally, yeah, they, they weren't started. down here. Yeah. So we didn't know about those guys then. But it, it was... Um, we we just we, we we saw it going down the road, and so you know every I, I I guess a lot of stories they they have those those moments where you look back on and be like, man, that was a big day for us, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, as and I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but uh, you know a few years in, um, we had a day that man it was like we're a prototypical sports bar. That's what we are. Everything we wanted to be, we're not. Mm. Um, we're 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 a place that you come in. With a bunch of guys, you drink a beer, you watch a game. If you get really hungry, you might order some freezer or fryer food. And that's why we're doing mediocre sales. You know, bar sales are good. It's a cool-looking building. Game days are great because we're the closest thing yeah. to it. But is that what we really want to be? And so we had a day, and, and Scott Taylor, who's our president, 
um, has been here over a decade, a few years in, uh, he, he started, he, we, we, we actually, he actually came on as a consultant first. And, um, after a few months, he's like, all right, guys, I think I got you guys in, in, in order here. I'm out of here. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you'd think you're going. And, uh, so he, he, you know, that's another story, but we actually convinced him to, to stay on. And, and still today, he's our, he's our president and he's, he's my right hand guy. But, he, um, we had a day where, where we actually went out behind the original restaurant and we took our team and, and it was just one, one restaurant at the time when we took everybody out there and we dug a hole and we made this tombstone. I got a picture of it. Oh, I'll show so it. Cool. Yeah, I, I feel, I feel yeah. like I know it's going to happen, but keep going. And so we just told the team, we said, look, go grab some food off the line. And, and we didn't tell people to deliberately overcook the pasta or burn the burger or anything like that it was just like just go grab it i promise you it's effed up and so they went and grabbed a bunch of food and we dug the hole and said today we're burying it it's over it it, we're not doing this anymore like it's and it was not only a statement to our team it was a statement to ourselves you know we because we had to look at ourselves in the mirror how long into the business were you at this point we were probably um uh let's say it was probably four or five years okay yeah, and, and, and like I said, we were... Were you moving the needle at all before it, this? A was little there, bit, okay. a little bit, but I mean, it wasn't anywhere we wanted to be. We I were mean, still kind of... You're five like, years in business, so you're profitable. Yeah, I mean, we were we were doing... We did some other bars and Irish pubs and things. We were kind of like those local entrepreneurs that just did stuff here in Baton Rouge, but it, it wasn't to the point where, man, we were... We were proud yeah. of where we wanted this concept. I mean, to be. you have the volume, three hundred seats. You're selling. I'm, I'm assuming at this time, early on, what what was the split between alcohol and food sales? It was probably around fifty fifty. Yeah. So, if not sixty forty, more towards the liquor. So, would you think it was the liquor that was carrying you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know it was, and that's yeah. one of the cool things about having a sports bar yeah. that has volume that can do volume. Is the liquor can carry. And, and once again, the location was yeah, carrying us. It, it, it was, I mean, it was literally the, I mean, it's, you're looking on Tiger Stadium yeah. right there, Alex Box Stadium, the PMAC. I mean, so probably, you know, half the year, 180, 200 days of the year. Did you ever miss a note? What's that? Did you ever miss we a note? We never did. Oh, there you no, go. Well, we never missed a note. Nice. No, that was important to us. Yeah. And, and um, but, you know, like I said, the game days and, and the location got us through. Those, yeah. those couple of years, but we knew something had to change, and, and we, and we, especially if we wanted to grow. And so, we did a, um, we did another location here in town. Uh, that there was a building that came up on Corsi Boulevard, about twenty minutes from here. And uh, we said, yeah, we, you know, we, after we got, you know, we felt like we started getting some things together, and um, we went and did that location, and that's when you learn. And when you don't have the systems and the processes, like I said, from from fifty to seventy restaurants is is a lot easier than one to two. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, what were the things um, that you mean? Standards sounds like one that you identified that with digging the hole yep. and saying like this: the standard is out the window. We have to set a new standard. What else? Yeah, I think it was it was going back to to where this really started to get clearly defined is like we we had that in through those couple of years even though the food the the, the processes the systems weren't always there mm-hmm. we we had a culture mm-hmm. we we had a we had a culture of inclusivity we had a culture of bringing people together and so we that's when we really started to realize like 
can we take that to another level? Mm. Can we make that be, make sure that people understand, especially our team internally, that this is what really separates us. And, and, and how do, how do we, I hate to say the word market it, but also, yeah, I mean, it was kind of marketing it through in, internally. Yeah. Right? It's your make core, it, it's your unique selling proposition. Yes. This culture, this team that we have, and because you're a team focused team, like you were a team literally. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think the, those first few years, it was just like, man, let's just keep the wheels on the bus. Right. And, and then now we, we had an opportunity to say, okay, how do we get better? And like mm-hmm. I said, I, I think a lot of people, especially when they get in business and things don't always go exactly as planned. They start looking out the window, right? Like, who the hell's messing us up? Why, why don't these people like this? And, and I, I, for some reason, just, and maybe it was that walk-on mentality. It was like, no, we got to start with us. Mm. And, and we got to figure out, like, what, what I mean. It, I'm so happy you're saying this right yeah, now. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot of people that just like to point fingers. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying we didn't do that at times, but... I don't, I, and maybe it was just the way we were brought up yeah. and, and you know, that, 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 but you know, what the, am I, sorry, no, go ahead. I mean, it, it, it was just looking back. I knew that was, that was, that's so important to, to the, our success is because we look, we had to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, man, you got to change. Yeah. One of the things I like to echo the most on the show, uh, and I don't know if this is a, Eric Ketchatore original. I don't know where I heard it, but it's behind every great restaurant. It's a great person. Yeah. And if you want to be a great restaurant, the journey doesn't start with changing your restaurant. Right. It starts with changing you. Yeah. And yeah. and that means discipline. That means your standards. You're you're the break. Like you're breaking the water. Like you're clearing the way. You know. Like you, you can you you have to be a big mass. You have to break that. Know, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but like nobody like how do I say it? Like you you have to set the standard. Everything Absolutely. you do. It echoes in your footsteps. Um, so what was the first thing you guys started to do? Because you already identified that you were a good culture. You were doing things well. You, you saw this as your strength. And you, you, that was your, it sounds like you recognize this as your core focus. You say, how do we lean into this? How do we do this even better? Yep. So how did that look? How did you do that even better? Yeah, I think it was, it was we, we realized then that we had to start with that, yeah. right? In, in, in the the product and, and what we sell and how we sell it and all those things. Yes, we needed a system and a process behind that, but everything had to start with bringing people together and, and making sure that, that our team knew that and our guests knew that. And, and because it just, like I said earlier, it answered all the questions. And, and so we did, and, and it, uh, we, we did that second location and there was, we learned a lot right there. Right. I mean, just, and that's where Scott Taylor and uh, we brought in Kathleen Wood. Um, oh, my God, Kathleen. Yeah. I was supposed to talk to her today, actually. Oh, really? We so, had a 30-minute. What are the odds that you mentioned someone's name away? I was supposed to have a meeting with today. Oh, that's funny. She's a past guest on the show, but we're going to be in Chicago on about a month, that area, and we're talking about maybe connecting and getting her back. She, on she's show. she's unbelievable. Uh, and, and I can tell you, it was uh, – so Todd Graves, who's, who's, like I mentioned, very good friend of mine in, in – Kathleen had worked with him, and honestly, he, she was uh, his president for a little while as Kane's growth really started. And uh, I called Todd one day. I was like, "Man, I feel like you know we're 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 kind of running, and uh, and we're running good, right? But I I just feel like sometimes we don't know where the end of the cliff is, and and I I don't like that uneasy feeling. And he's like, "Man, I know where you are. Call this lady. Call Kathleen, and she'll at least." 
get everything out of you, mm. right? And 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 uh, it was the best decision we had ever made. And and um, she came in and really just start. I mean, and, and all the things that you think you, you have and you know, but sometimes you have to you have to. It takes somebody to extract them right? outside perspective. Yeah, to to get them out of you and get them on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, we thought everybody knows that, but no, they don't like you, you got to clearly define it and you got to make sure it's important to you. And so I think she did the same process with Peter Sclafani. She did actually Peter and Ruffin had asked us after we did it and they were like, Hey, tell me about, I was like, I did the same thing Todd told me, call Kathleen. So we're going to, I mean, we used to do all of our workshops remotely. I'm going to try to do a workshop type conversation with her where she takes us through her process. I don't know how much of it she's going to be willing to share in a public forum, but even if you know how to do something, my, my thought process is that that person is going to be, some people are just going to want that person to come in and help them do it. No matter yeah. what, what you can know how to do it, but you need that outside perspective. So I'm hoping that she's willing to take it. It really does. Look, man, she's gifted, yeah. right? And it takes special people uh, to, to do something like that. And because I mean, once she's sitting there talking about it and you putting it on paper and on the whiteboard and you're like, yeah, of course, like we know that, but it, it, it takes a special person to ask those questions and to get it out of it. And all of a sudden you look back after a three day brainstorming and you're like, wow, like, like, that's cool. Like we, we did have all that, but we never yeah, put it, in it so we can articulate it to mm-hmm. our team. And it's one thing to put it out, to have somebody to, to pull that out of somebody as a skill, but then to articulate and distill the code Correct. is another skill set. And that's what she's, that's where she really shines. Absolutely. So, um, so you guys do this. She helps you. What is it that she, she calls that? What did she, what was the, at the end of this process? What did she do for you? So, so I mean, it, it's at the, it, First, it was just building our house, right? And, you know, just understanding what our core values were, what 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 our mission was, like the, the things that we wanted to be important to us. But also looking at the the operational part of the business too. I mean, and, and she's not, you know, Kathleen, don't take this the wrong way, but she's not just coming in to look at ops, right? She's not just coming in to look. Oh, you got to cook that burger that way. No, it's it's more of the foundation of your business, and so. Which is the key part of any business? And, yeah, it's and a that, thirty thousand foot view. Absolutely. Yeah. What's yeah. the footprint? Co- correct. Yeah. Correct. And and it, and it just gives you clarity. Mm-hmm. And I think as a leader, especially someone that was sitting in my seat, you know, my my goal, my 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 mission, my whatever I got to do every day is just to make sure that our purpose and our vision is crystal clear to our company. And sometimes it's hard for leaders to articulate that. But sometimes yeah. you just need someone to help you understand. Okay, this is. The, the way that you can articulate it to your team. So is that piece of paper what the final product was? No, no. And okay. so, like I said, this was an evolution that really got us going, you know, because I, I think we had different stages of this and this may change. It constantly. Yeah, evol- it, it, it does. You know, at, at any business, people any team, change, yeah. businesses change, yeah, people the world evolve, changes. <laughs> businesses evolve. As we all know, in yeah. the last 24 months, the world changes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, you, you, you have to be ready. Yeah. So, we're at two locations in the evolution of walk-ons. We got 30 minutes left. Um, and we got to talk about the next 70 locations. Yeah. Uh, so, but what would the stage go so, longer? So I, I'm thinking, okay, awesome. I might take you up on that. So if we're shifting gears, right? Yeah. Your first gear was opening, getting the money. Yeah. Your second gear was, we recognize that culture is what is our unique selling proposition. Uh, you got somebody to help you distill that culture and get clarity about that culture. What was number three? What was gear? number three for you yeah i I think it once you kind of establish that culture um and and then it was 
okay, you can have the best idea in the world, you can have the best culture in the world, but you, you have to put systems and processes mm-hmm. behind it. So if you want to grow. Yeah, and this is what you realize when you were no longer in one of you, one of your partners wasn't in the restaurant. Correct. That things start to fall apart. Yes. You have what yeah. David Scott Peters would call a people dependent operation. Right. Or even if if you have to, I mean, look, two people aren't the same, right? Mm-hmm. And and so sometimes it was what well, Jack was here and he said to do it that way. Well, Brandon said to do it. Even that. Yeah. I mean, you can be in as aligned as you want. And if things get between the crack. Like that's things absolutely fall between right. The and so, and that was, you know, Scott Taylor coming on like i said kathleen brought him in as a consultant first and then we didn't we never let him leave and and he really just started to dig in and and try to try to put a system and a process behind every part of our business and and that was really the turning point so we we had you know we 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 made the the the, the change on just products, like I said, that those days, that burial ceremony are going, you know, if we're going to, we're going to cook a burger, let's buy the best ground chuck that we can buy. Let's pan patty it. Let's cook it to order. Let's not buy freezer to fryer. So the only thing freezer to fryer in our whole house now is French fries. Yeah. Um, it, it was just, you know, if we're going to do uh, fresh Louisiana Gulf shrimp, like if we're going to do seafood, let, let's go buy Gulf of Mexico shrimp and peel them and devein them in house and make sure they're beautiful 16, 20 count. I mean, these are just things that as far as the products that, that we were just, just, it wasn't important to us mm. at 22, 23 years old, where I, like I said, it was an evolution and the concept kind of grew and matured with us. So I'm assuming your, your, the prices on your menu increased. If yeah. You're increasing the quality of the food, which should yeah. happen. But once um, again, people that they, they, I mean, they want quality. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I mean, even that, in a sports bar setting. So how do they handle that? Were they like, this is bullshit. This is more no. expensive. Or they're like, this is delicious. No. I'll pay for it. I said, look, if you do this every time, we don't mind paying yeah. for it. And, they, and that was, that was the challenge. Right. But also the opportunity for us. Yeah. And I think, People are afraid to spend money. They see the cost of things and how to do things right, and they go, oh, well, it's going to be really expensive. But the question you have to ask is, how is this going to bring in more business? How much more money are we going to make by doing things right? Even in today's world, man, with, with inflation and, and labor costs and things like I mean, everybody's had to go up on their prices. But the restaurants that are still successful, even with price increases, are the ones that value quality mm. and consistency. Mm-hmm. And so you can't take price increase and diminish your quality or your portions or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. You got to make sure you're consistent on that front as well. So you have Scott Taylor uh, <laughs> that you hire, he, and he helps with the systems and processes. Yep. Where were these systems and processes being documented? How do, how were they being documented? Yeah, so he was he he was kind of the master controller of all, of all that, and really started to kind of. So we went and within. A year or two after Scott came here, we, we decided to venture outside of Baton Rouge and went to Lafayette, Louisiana. It was our first one outside the city. How far is that? <clears throat> About 45 miles. Okay. And uh, it, at the time, people were they, they were skeptical, right? They were like, man, this is, a, this is a Baton Rouge, an LSU place. These guys will never make it over there. But we went with that. Like I said, we took that culture to another level, just elevated. It took, it took our product and with, with systems and processes and more quality. We opened up in Lafayette in 2011. It was our third restaurant and um, did seven million bucks out of the gate. Yeah. Mind the listeners who try to open a restaurant and open their second restaurant in the second year they're in business. Yeah. It took you from 2003 to 2008, five yeah. years to yeah. open your second, second restaurant, and another three years to open your third open restaurant. Open a third, correct. Be patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, and that was one thing we, we found out the hard way, right? Yeah. 
is is we have to build this bef- before we can expand on it. And so, so how did you know you were ready for number three? You, I don't think you ever do, man. I, I mean, because you could sit here and second guess yourself all the time and you'd be like, oh, we're ready. We're ready. You know, it was just one of those. It's like, let's go. Yeah. You know, and once again, it goes back to to being young and, and, and probably, I mean, the way we were both single at the time, no families. And, you know, the only thing I had was a dog. And I was like, look, at the end of the day, they can't take my freaking dog. <laughs> you know, so let's just let's yeah. go. And, and it was that youth and exuberance that really got us to do number three. And we we opened up in Lafayette. And like I said, it was just very successful. And Lafayette is a it's it's a very foodie town you know it's kind of cajun culture and you know especially chains they go up there they'll, they'll kick you out as soon as you went you go in do you feel like a chain at three locations though no yeah no because we were still i mean in the restaurants yeah and, and it, it was it, it was it was a fight for we're still us louisiana boys yeah yeah, yeah we're still louisiana boys yeah. and so we did that in and lafayette was was crazy successful and man we were like wow this um we we might have something here, you know, because we were not only attracting your your sports bar fans, but we started to notice is with the quality of the food, and we were attracting families. Mm. We were attracting women in sports bars, and we started to man, women like sports too, right? Mm-hmm. Like they want a comfortable setting. We don't want it to be a restaurant. We don't want it to be where it's just about everything but the food. Yeah, um, and, see what you did there. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so. Um, we had an opportunity. This was a big step for us in our life cycle. It was uh, it, it, my my partner today, um, which I guess I'll get in that story here in a second. Uh, I'm, I met him through a mutual friend um, who had a building on downtown New Orleans, on Porges Street, two blocks from the Superdome. Smith and Walensky's never opened back up after Hurricane Katrina. It was an empty building right there. And how, how was uh, Baton Rouge and, and Lafayette affected by it? Not as bad. I mean, we, we, we took on a lot of their population. Yeah. Um, we were just but, talking about that on the way here. We're yeah. Like, I bet these guys got swamped with people. Yeah. After. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, LSU was a triage center. It was like, it was crazy. Choppers coming in and out. But as far as the actual damage, I mean, we lost power for a few days, but yeah. it wasn't anything like New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans actually was, and that was the point of my story, is that New Orleans was fine until the levee broke. Mm. But so the, the, the managers out of Smith and Walensky's, they were operating fine. You can tell um, they actually left the building to let another hurricane come through South Louisiana. They thought they, I mean, it was supposed to be like a smaller storm. Yeah. The levee breaks, and then they never showed back up. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we get a call and, and said, uh, look, we got this building down here. Uh, we heard about you guys, but you want to come do one in New Orleans. And we were like, whoa, that's an opportunity, but that's also a scary opportunity because New Orleans, you better have your shit together, oh, yeah. right? And so um, long story short, we ended up working a deal uh, with our landlord, Rick Farrell, down there and uh, opened up in New Orleans and, and even elevated the food a little bit more, brought a few more menu items there. And Katrina uh, was 2013? That, no, Katrina was 05. This, 05. this is This is 11. When we opened, so we okay. actually or twelve, we opened uh, I don't know where I got. I just, yeah. Lafayette in, in in New Orleans within like eight months of okay. each other. But at this point, I feel like you you from two to three, all the the time and energy at two was going into refining culture and systems and processes, so you could scale. So the goal Correct. was, I'm assuming, to scale. Yeah, at this point, we yeah. said, man, we let's go to New Orleans, and if we can make it in New Orleans, we'll feel good about ourselves. Yeah. And so we did. We in 2011, we won best new restaurant wow. in New Orleans. In New Orleans, yeah, that's hard to do. Yeah. And then 2012, we were nominated for ESPN's number one sports bar in America. Wow. One of our 
one of our customers out of Homa, Louisiana, had come to our New Orleans location and saw this online. And we didn't even know about it. And they were doing this online vote uh, for people to vote for their favorite spot. There's, we're one of 5,200 sports bars in the country that are up for this award. The next week, they narrow it to 100. We make that. The next week, they narrow it to 12. We make that. We're like, you know what? We don't go any further. We're happy. I mean, like, we, we got four restaurants, and we're against some larger restaurant chains and things like that at the time. The next week, they make the, we make the final four. Two weeks later, we get called. We're congrats. You're voted ESPN's number one sports bar in America. Wow. What are the standards to what? What are they? Do you know how you get voted into that or like? Yeah, I, I don't. I really don't remember that. that you got the award. That's yeah, what yeah. It, it was. Um, it was an online vote at first from fans, and wow. then ESPN went around and with the final four and decided which one was going to be the winner. And and look, I, I say this often. The reason why I talk about this is because it was a it was a big part in, in our in our in our evolution just because the things that we hoped we were getting credit for proved to be true with the award. What were you getting credit for? And so the one, one part when, when they wrote the article and they, they said, you guys are ESPN. The one part was a sports bar that's family friendly. Mm. You know, they, they, they said they came in there and they saw women and they saw children and they saw um, just families. Uh, it, it was, it was, something different we were kind of breaking the mold there uh second thing that they noticed is the cuisine you know here we are what 10 years earlier uh and we were a bar mm. that 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 served freezer to fryer food and then now they're coming in and say oh my gosh we got duck and andouille gumbo and we got bacon wrapped shrimp stuffed with jalapeno and cream cheese sitting over sweet corn grits at a at a sports bar uh crispy cream bread pudding you know things like that that yeah, they they got great burgers and cheese fries, but also, I mean, with high quality high quality ingredients, but also you get a taste of Louisiana, yeah. and so that was something that we 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 checked off. And then the third thing, and they actually talked about, it, is that the staff's happy to be there. Uh, they, they, they're they're you can tell they got a culture that that is about inclusivity, and 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 that they're all playing for the team, and and so that that was that was a big that was those three things. And That's honestly, huge, once we once we saw that. Um, and that was in eleven. That was in two thousand twelve. Twelve. Yeah, and and Ten so uh, yeah, that that's when when we we said, man, we may have an opportunity to really well, expand and grow this brand. You you basically won the equivalent of like a mission, like the four Michelin stars, or what is For it? Our five segment. Yeah, four or five. How many Michelin yeah. stars? Do I always forget. Four, but I mean, a, a James Beard best restaurant in the country. Right. Whatever. Right. Like you got the. You got the Emmy, you know. Right. You got the 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 highest honor you could get as a sports bar, and when you get that, especially did, when you put ESPN by it, right? Did you try going to the banks again after that? Well, it was. Did the, it tune, was, did it the was, tune change? Well, being in New Orleans, yeah. um, you know that location, being two blocks from the Superdome, you got the Final Four. We had the Super Bowl. We I had, was going to say the Louisiana as a state had a great run as yeah. During this time too, yeah, they were yeah. like the, their their sports. So we were Drew's, getting tons, Drew Brees was killing it. During yeah, this time. so we were getting tons of exposure. Yeah, um, and then we had you know people that were coming to us and said, "Are you guys franchising? Are you guys expanding this mm-hmm. brand?" And then number nine came calling uh, about a year after that. But in 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 that in those times as well was was a, a little bit of a um, it, it was probably, you know, as far as a, a, a founder and a partner, it was probably our toughest time is because when 
Jack and I ended up splitting. Yeah, I was in, curious in, if that was going to come up. Yeah, in 2013. And so... Um, I mean, it's hard. To, uh, this is one of the hardest things to talk about on the podcast because yeah. it's relationships. It's people that you love. And, Absolutely. And it's personal. But I think it's also the one thing that needs to be discussed the most of, of how to manage business partnerships. And because we, I don't think you can do it alone. If you want to be yeah. the best, you got to be a freak of nature. No doubt, man. To be able to be that good at especially so many young, things. exactly. Right? And, and but most people aren't a freak of nature, so yeah. they need to divide and conquer. Yeah. You need partners. I think not everybody agrees with that statement. I hundred percent agree with you. I, there, there's no doubt in my mind that I wouldn't be sitting here in our success if it weren't for me having Jack and in, mm. in, in the way we got started. And you know, he did some things really well that I didn't do so well, and vice versa. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, it, a tough part of getting into business too, especially with friends is, is you don't expect those days mm-hmm. to come, right? You don't expect, oh, they may be, pro- but look, when, when you get, when you get into partnership at 20, 21, 22 years old, you're going to change, right? You, you, it's it's inevitable. Yeah. And, and, and it just, it, we just started growing apart and, you know, I really wanted to grow this business and um he had different ideas and so it was tough man it's like a marriage right? what was your idea what, what you wanted to grow yeah just, like i i just so we had some other concepts like like i mentioned and some bars and pizzerias and as smaller concepts just here in town and um i just saw an opportunity um that that walk-ons had, had to grow and and look it, with growth too um it, it like sometimes you're not you don't prepare for it right especially when it comes to to cash flow and things like that and those are hard lessons that we learn i mean it's great to grow but you you know if you don't have a, a big bankroller behind you you, you know you kind of got to take 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 a step back and, and look at this thing and say how are we going to do it mm. and so um long story short not to get too too deep into it uh we ju- we just had different philosophy and so uh we got in some 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 cash pinches even though we were opening up these restaurants it was like man you know i mean you know cuz we we started getting some corporate overhead and and it was like well, these 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 things aren't, aren't well that's the next shift for a lot of restaurants the, the hard part is one to two and then you know how do we work when you're at that second location you have to go through okay who are we what are our systems how do we lock this in so we can start to rely on the systems not exactly. the people and um but you still want to rely on good people i, I say that but you yeah. know you need both um and then the next challenge for most restaurant tours i didn't really get into this until i started talking to the guys from sweet greens mm-hmm. um oh my god his name i talked to a lot eric oberholzer we've had a bunch of at least two of the sweet greens founders on and it's that next tier of the c-suite yeah that most restaurants never get to that point yeah. and it's a you your roles in the organization have to change you have to be you have to do some serious self-reflection of who am I, what lane do I belong in, where do I need to step out of my role? Yeah. Um, did, does this sound familiar? Oh yeah, yeah. It's that, that middle ground's tough, man. So what was it? Because yeah. it's either you can you can keep it really small, and and you can kind of like I said, you you can touch, feel everything, and and make sure that. The middle ground is where people get caught, yeah. and, and you know because you need the overhead to to make sure that you can manage everything you got going, but you don't have this huge volumes sales coming in to to make sure. It, so you just got to be really careful with that, right? And so that's kind of where we were. So it was either like, man, we need to trim the fat and 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 scale down and and make sure that that we can manage what we got, or we go to another level. Mm. And I was all about going to another level, but I, I knew we needed a partner. 
and uh, our landlord that I mentioned earlier at the time, Rick Farrell uh, in New Orleans, uh, he was a very wealthy business guy and, and he loved us and he loved our concept and he wanted to come in and um, offered to come in as a third partner and said, look, you guys, uh, y'all are selling. You just need resources behind you. You need to clean up financials. You need to figure out how, how to make How many restaurants do you have at this point? Four. four. And you, you have four restaurants doing huge volume, I'm assuming, 300 plus seat locations everywhere. Um, what is like? How, what's the gap of what that level of restaurant can do and what you need it? Well, the the problem was is that we were always we were always looking at the next thing, right, and investing in that. And then, like I said, we still had a we had a we had, we had, it developed some bit of infrastructure. So we had accounting, and we had you know Scott Taylor was with us, and we started building out some ops and stuff just to make sure HR, that we could, yeah, yeah. All, all these things that cost money, yeah. and, but but you got to have them. But so I mean, you have to. You, 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 you have to have the foresight to be able to see, okay, I'm going to need this to, to, to do that. It's not – and then run business, right, every day. I yeah. mean, sometimes they, they were probably getting – I know we were getting, you know, stolen from yeah. and, and waste and all this. And so, I mean, yeah, you can – you can sell a lot, you know. Your bridge can be really high, but your water can also be really yeah, high. So yeah. you got to you got to make sure there's a bigger gap. Yeah, you get to a certain point where you start to need to create these departments higher on all these. You're, you're within the the period of, you know, um, like instantaneously, you need to like basically hire at least five different one hundred thousand dollars salary yes. people. That's five hundred thousand. It, it's that's a big jump. You it know, eats, it eats it up really quick. So, what is the sweet spot of? Is it a volume thing? Is it a number of locations thing? Like, how do you go from being able to handle it on your own, and what do you need to get to that next level? Yeah, I, well, once again, I mean, you got a plan, yeah, right. You, you need a you need to be able to put it in and have a strategy behind it, which we were just kind of like, oh, we'll figure that out when we get to it. Yeah. You know, once again, not the way to do it, and luckily we got through it. But it took a guy like so. So back to the story. So Rick, he was willing to come in as a third partner, and Jack really wasn't. He was like, I don't know if we need a third partner or something like that. And so we were kind of thinking about, do we, do we downsize or anything like that? Well, then Rick asked me to dinner in New Orleans. And uh, he, he's, we went to Commander's Palace at his table. And he's always looking out on the window right there. And he said, Brandon, he goes, uh, you got something special here. And he goes, I don't know if Jack really looks like he doesn't really want to grow. He goes, I'd like to buy in and see if he wants to sell out. I'll, um, I'll buy his half. And uh, I can be a resource to, to take you to the next level, and uh, hopefully, right? And uh, so that was a tough conversation. I mean, here's my partner, you know. I mean, that we've been through thick and thin, and came up with this idea together. And uh, but uh, it took me a couple of weeks to have that conversation, and um, and I because I didn't want him to think I was trying to push him out the door. Yeah. And uh, we we were we were downtown. I remember where we were on the patio of our little live music venue, and I said, "Hey, man, I got to talk to you." I said, "Look, Rick." had dinner with him the other night and he wants to know if if you want to sell out he goes he'd be willing to buy your half and uh i remember jack saying how much <laughs> so and, it sounds and, like it, and, and so at that point i knew there was a deal to be yeah. done and so long story short uh, rick ended up buying jack out it sounds like a win-win situation because yeah. what jack wanted to focus on was what can we do wait jack is your original partner You're correct right? yeah correct Jack wanted to focus on staying local, putting energy into the community, and building his other concepts. Correct. It sounds like correct. And correct. How many and other he concepts? Kept, yeah, he kept those other concepts. How many other concepts deal? were there? Uh, three others. So it was four walk-ons and three other concepts. Correct. That I'm sure he got well, you know, paid for yeah. his share in this. That yeah. would have helped him. 
fulfill his vision for that he had. Yeah. So yeah. it sounds like a great deal. Yeah, yeah, you was, get to do your thing and he gets the cash flow to really get the creative yeah. freedom to do what he wants yeah. to do. And I'm sure he's gone on and done stuff with his Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's done great. I mean, yeah. you know, it was it was tough, right? Still, because it, it's it's a lot of attorneys involved and just conversations that you just don't plan for. I mean, it sounds like a win-win situation. Yeah, it doesn't no, it, sound like doom and gloom. No, 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 like no, no. It, it, it was good. It was yeah. good for both of us. And uh, so we ended up, uh, Rick became my partner. Then within six months of that, we get a call. Um, I get a call one day from it's our- It's funny how it when it rains, it pours. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I get a call from our, our, our marketing girl down in, uh, uh, sorry, our catering coordinator down in New Orleans. Um, and she said, hey, uh, Chris Stewart, uh, who's Drew Brees' marketing agent, just had a little function up here, and he wanted your number. You mind if I give it to him? I said, sure, why not? And uh, she calls. She, she said, okay, I'll give it to him. So Chris calls me like an hour later and says, hey, Brandon, I'm Chris. I'm Drew's agent. He goes, Drew and I would love to talk to you about what you got going on here. And I was like, okay. I had no idea. He goes, look, I'm going to pick him up from practice here in a little bit. You mind if we call you back? I said, sure. Get a call back that afternoon. Hey, Drew, hey Brandon, it's Chris again. I like, what's up, Chris? He goes, hey, I got Drew in the car. And Drew's like, what's up, Brandon? I'm like, hey, Drew Brees. <laughs> what's up, man? Great I'm like, you got to think about this. Lesson. I'm a South Louisiana <laughs> yeah. guy, you know, LSU Saints guy. Yeah. And here it is, you know, the goat yeah. fucking calling me on my cell. And it's like, what's up, man? And uh, he goes, look, man, I, I love everything what you guys got going on in your mind. If we set up a meeting, I'd love to talk to you. And so Rick and I, uh, Rick had never met him before either. And he's a big Saints season tickets holder. And uh, we sit down and he's like, look, I like, I love everything you guys got going on. You know, just family friendly sports. He goes, I bring my wife here, bring my kids here, bring my old lineman here, bring the rest of my teammates here. It's something for everyone. He goes, look, I'm a, I'm an athlete. Uh, but you know, of course every athlete's dream is to own a sports bar. And he goes, I, I wouldn't change a thing with you guy. He goes, I'm not Drew Brees, the, the quarterback, the celebrity looking for a handout. He goes, I'm a business guy looking to make an investment. So we go through valuation once again and all that, and Drew ends up buying in. And, you know, Rick really showed me his true colors during that time as well because he's like, look, Brandon, this is your baby. Uh, let's grow this thing. But he said, you keep your 50%. I'll sell half of my half to Drew, mm. and we'll be your two partners. And let's well, grow, he knew grow. what Drew could do for the brand. Absolutely, too. especially that. down here. And that's the, that's the mentality of a smart businessman because yeah. i rather take 25% of something much larger Absolutely. than 50% of something we can never do on our own. Absolutely. And that's what foresight is. Man. Absolutely. That, especially just, a guy yeah. like him. And it, look, it's not like we were actively trying to pursue any big celeb names or anything like that, but when a guy like Drew comes calling, whether you're a Saints fan or not, if you're a good guy fan, you're a Drew Brees fan. Yeah. And, and so just his credibility to, to, to being associated with our brand was big for us. You don't and, lead a team like the Saints without being a good guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and, and a good leader, yeah. right? And, and so, um, you know, not long after that, Drew, Drew came aboard and uh, we started um, discussions about maybe we could franchise this model. You know, lots of interest started coming to us, you know, just people, once again, New Orleans. And then when Drew signed on and, so uh, we took a good year or two in Scott Taylor's background in his previous life. He was with a big franchise organization. And so um, one thing that I was very adamant about in the very beginning was, would you learn would you, would you learn what not to do, Scott? You know, because, I mean, sometimes franchise orgs, they get bad rap, right? They're just trying to sell, 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 get a royalty check and don't give support. And, uh, you know, they lose culture and things like that. And so... 
we, we took a good year to 18 months to really clearly define, okay, what type of franchise or we want it to be, what the, the, the investment we wanted to make an in infrastructure on the front end and really be prepared. And so, and that, that's the thing that I don't think people fully understand the process of becoming a franchise. Um, you think you got locked in with culture and systems. There's a whole nother wave of just organization oh. that has to come to, to put the trust of, of scaling this in other people. It's a whole, it's, it's another round of just re completely reorganizing your, your business. Look, um, when somebody's going to invest a couple million dollars in your brand yeah. and, and, and pay you a royalty every Monday morning, so y- you better have support. Did right? you go to somebody to get that, um, that, that franchising support? No. So Scott, like I said, once again, he was, he was Scott he, Taylor. Yeah. Scott Taylor had, had, had years of experience right. with that. And, and for us, it, it was going back to, to, you know, what we wanted to, to, to bring to our franchisees is let's bring them together, you know, once back, back to our purpose, but also let's just, let it's, it's almost like a hybrid of, of being a franchise organization with corporate support and, and making sure that every one of them were going to be successful. And, and that's the way we went into it. So having those conversations with Rick and, and Drew early on, it was like, let's invest in infrastructure. Let's invest in our human capital before we have franchise number one yeah. open. And, and I think that's where a lot of them get in trouble. It's like, okay, well, we got to get royalty. Yeah. Royalty's coming in before we can hire this person. We opened up franchise number one in Shreveport, Louisiana. We had 32 people on our corporate team. Wow. So we all show up, and this franchisee's like, wow. Yeah. Goes, what am I supposed to do? It's like, not a damn thing. Just, yeah. just like we, we have been, we've taken the last couple of years to make sure that, that we're ready for this. Because you know what, Chris? We want you to have the same support that number 71 is going to have in a couple weeks. And yeah. there's no excuse for you not to have that just because you're the first one. Yeah. Honestly, you should get more. And and that's the philosophy. And, and Rick and Drew bought in and said, you know what? If we got to operate in the red for a couple of years, because it's a long-term strategy now. It's not about let's start making money right away. Let's make sure yeah. that we're building this thing for long-term success. And you're reinforcing something I try to echo often here, and it's that cash flow and then people determine your, your growth. And yes. um, you, you, you need cash to pay for the people. And the people, you, you can't do it without the people. So you need, yeah, like you're just reinforcing so many of the lessons we've, we've learned here on the show. And this has been a great conversation. And I mean, I don't think we need to get into how you scale from, I don't think my audience, the, the, <laughs> the amount of people who are listening to this are trying to get to that point where they get three or four locations. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, the yeah. goal, right? So yeah. we've kind of gotten there. The only other thing we have to talk about before we wrap up is this idea of like, what is, we're, as being a leader in the industry right now, one of the, you know, leader, leading restaurateurs across the industry, mm-hmm. what do you think has to change about the industry, if anything? There's unprecedented challenges with the restaurant industry specifically around people but like what do you think the issues are with the industry now why why is there so much challenge in the industry well i mean look i mean the obvious things are the inflation and what it costs and things like that but but labor's the the big part right and and it's it's no secret that it's it's a challenge um but i i think people have to get back to, to the roots of, of why you're doing things, right? And, and for us, and, and there's a lot of concepts. I'm not going to say we're not struggling with or, or have opportunities with, with staffing and things like that, but the, the, the restaurants that value culture are the concepts that value culture and, and, and get down to their why. It's a lot easier for them to attract and retain teammates. Mm-hmm. And, and look, Chick-fil-A, Raising Cane's. Yeah. I mean, 
it's very seldom that you're going to pass by one of those guys and see a now hiring sign. Yeah. Right. It, it's the ones that are very transactional and it's, you know, the ones that crack me up are the ones that have, we're, we're paying up to $15 an hour. I mean, it's all about the, the ones that dollar. fire their employees for wanting to do better. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's how we live. And, yeah. and so it, it's for us, it's, you know, but look, how do you improve that on a, throughout the industry? I, I don't, I don't know, because I, I think it it comes down to each individual leader of of each organization to 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 value that enough and go back to caring. So, do you think that it's a matter of the industry just not caring about its people and the people are just going other places, or are there other variables playing? Do you think? Oh, I think there's. I mean, look, it's at the end of the day, especially what we learned over the last couple of years is that um, that the world can change overnight, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think um, you know people course you got to support your families and so the dollar means a lot right but i think to a lot of people it's uh it's about purpose and and, and i think that goes a lot deeper and i, I may, couldn't agree more because I, I think you know for us what we, do, we we try to do is is create a path and, and a purpose for our team whether it be a personal purpose or our company purpose and yeah. like if they can help bring people together and i think you know sometimes they'll a lot of times there'll be teammates that, yeah, they may get offered a dollar to five dollars more across the street, but that's short term gain. And, mm-hmm. and they know that we're the family with us and they know we have a blue chip program that day one, when you come aboard a, a walk ons any walk ons throughout the country, you have a path to get to whatever level you want to get to. What purpose are you providing your team? So for us, it's it's our company purpose is to bring people together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that they can see that back to that point is it, it's a path. It, it's a path to be a part of being a part of a team is being a part of something bigger than yourself. And, and I think that's what we try to go, go back to that inspire lifestyle that embraces the underdog mindset in all of us. Everyone at some point in their lives have been an underdog. Mm. You have, I have. I still am. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it, or or have had that underdog moment, I mm-hmm. should say. You know, whether you got passed up for a job opportunity, maybe you weren't a part of a social group you wanted to be a part of in high school. Maybe you got didn't get picked for the Little League baseball team. What did you do with those moments, right? Some people, they can sit here and feel sorry for themselves and say, man, I don't do it. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to work harder. It's, it's like watching March Madness, right? When the 15 seed's beating the two, two seed, Everybody gets kind of excited, right? Because yeah. they're not supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's the, these teammates that join our team. Maybe they, they're down and out. Maybe, maybe they're just coming to work for us to make some beer drinking money during college. I don't know. But maybe they see an opportunity to join a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had so many inspiring stories where people, they just came to get a job. And all of a sudden, they're like, I got a freaking family. Yeah. I got a career. I got an opportunity to positively impact the people that walk in these doors every day, but also the community that we're serving in. Yeah. And so you talk about a bigger purpose, and that's what we try to relate to these teammates. Sometimes they come in at 17, 18, 19. Sometimes, sometimes they come in at 79 years old, but they have an opportunity to, to, to create and, and, and offer something bigger than just a job. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the industry needs to go? Where, how can we be less reactive to the state of – I think the industry is kind of guilty of reacting. We're always reacting to the consumer. But where can we, how can we be more proactive and say enough is enough. This is what we need. This as is far as what? Just, like, I, feel like, uh, I feel like the industry – one of the reasons why the industry is hurting so much is because the 
um, the cons- I think the consumer drives a lot of what we do. We react to the yeah. consumer, and I think that makes us react into corners. Yeah. Basically, how can we come? How can we collectively move together better? What, what does? Is there a message that needs to yeah, change? Yeah, I think is it's there a just about, that needs to change? It's about communication, man, and and communication builds trust. And 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 I think there's lack of communication, and and I think that's especially when you get you, you get dealt with something like COVID. You know, I, when there's a gap in communication, people, it's just human nature. They fill it with negativity. Right. And, and so that's like my my number one priority when COVID happened is over communicate. Mm-hmm. Just let people know. Look, did I know what was going to I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if we were going to make it six months, six years, 60 years. I don't know. But I just over communicate. And I was Scott Taylor and I was daily routine is like what's the message that we're going to bring yeah, to yeah. not only our staff but to our, to our to our guests as well is and so it's it, it when you have those gaps in communication it, it just it, it fills with negativity and i think that's kind of sometimes the, the the state of our industry right now so these leaders when you're talking about nra and every state restaurant association we just have to get ahead of it and 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 prepare What's the communication that needs to happen? What's the message that? Well, we need I to think we got to get back to to understanding why the why why restaurants even started mm, right and and, and because is, because it, it to me it's so simple because it's just just how we live yeah. right but but I think so many have become transactional yeah it, it's it's I'm, just like I'm so happy you're saying this man I'm literally getting the author of um, Drunk on the show Edward Slingin, Slinger I think I'm saying that correctly uh, yeah it's about alcohol and the evolution of alcohol I think another book great book is America stumbles into a bar yeah but the restaurant industry really started as a, a pub public yeah. the public house and yeah. the restaurant owners were influencers they were leaders they they were the the, the the, the center of the spoke for a community and it was about community. It was about connecting people. Yes. And that's, and that's so important. And that's it what is. you, that's what you stand for. It is. It's a hundred percent what we stand for. And, and when, when instances like COVID happen, it, it, it was, I mean, think about it. You know, everybody was talking about, especially in our segment, right? We're, we're casual dining. We're sit down, casual dining service. And, and going into 2020 before COVID, the, the, the message out there was like, people are not going to casual dining anymore. They, they just want QSR. They want, a, they, they want an app. They, they, just, they just want it delivered. They don't want to talk to people. Think about when restaurants got shut down, bars got shut down, how bad you just wanted to go sit down yeah. and, and, and have a conversation with a stranger and get a margarita from a bar. Not yeah. make, and like, it was cool at first. Yeah, getting some alone time at home, and I can make my own margaritas. And I just wanted to go sit at a bar know, and order a, a margarita and talk to somebody. And so... If anything, what COVID did is is prove to us that this industry isn't going anywhere. No. But to the point is we have to get back to our roots yeah. and, and, and make sure it happens. But I do think that there is a shift that we went from being in like community leaders and drawing and driving the narrative in our communities and, and educating people and and literally being at the center and being influencers and yeah. having the communities react to what we're saying and what we're doing with the news we're spreading. So now we're like we're almost afraid of the consumer. Like don't hate yeah. us. Like yeah. just like us, just like us. And it's, it's become this place where we're reacting to the consumer. And I think that, that needs to change. Well, it also is, I mean, like the, the, 
the best, some of the best things in the world, also some of the worst things, right? I mean, when you're looking at social media, you know, back in the day when these influencers, I mean, yeah, yeah you were the restaurant tour and you were the influencer, but not everybody had a voice, yeah. right? And and so that that has kind of skewed it a little bit when you when you're talking that everybody has a voice now. I've really loved this conversation, man. Yeah. I would love to get you back on. Um, I know we have another project, the Supper Club. Yeah, um, we didn't even talk about that. <laughs> I don't know if you want to give a nod to it before we go to the speed round. Um, I want to respect your time. I've got to get think about wrapping up the conversation. Yeah, it's cool. It's a, I did a fine dining restaurant here in Baton Rouge. Something my wife and I are passionate about, and so we uh, is that it, a membership model? No, it's 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 uh, it's open to the public, okay. but uh, it's it's just dinner only, and um, you know. Probably Probably eight or ten restaurants around the country that were inspiration behind it and wanted to bring something different to Baton Rouge. And so it's been fun. Well, I'm excited to talk about that. If we ever get you back on the show, we can pick up there. And uh, we're going to go to the speed round. And uh, we'll be right back. I don't need to tell you that it's harder than ever right now to be a restaurateur. The cost of goods are going up. Labor expenses are going up. People don't want to work in the industry. Anybody who had experience has gone on to different verticals or different industries and we are just stuck with a lot of people who are very green and how how do we increase sales if nobody knows how to sell well you empower them with the right tools and one tool out there that you need to know about is called s RV, which stands for Study Restaurant Variety, created by Roger Bodwin from Restaurant Rockstars, a name I'm sure you recognize for his multiple appearances on the show, and his co-founder and co-creator, Zaylin Jacobson, who you'll be working with. This is a tool that will help your team memorize your menu, your uh, your culture, uh, everything, anything you need to train them, your entire training manual is now in an app and accessible anywhere. And really what it is, is an interactive learning tool. And it's a great way to invest in your team and to make them feel valued. There's a lot of data supporting that. This is how the next generation of professionals prefer to learn. So if you need a tool out there to empower your staff, to train your staff, uh, to, to give them the knowledge they need to be sales stars, then check out srvnow.com click the link that says request a demo and that will bring you to a page where you fill out your information the very last field make sure you let them know that restaurant unstoppable sent you their way they will pay us a commission of one thousand five hundred dollars if you use that link and you you sign up with them and i just have to say thank you in advance we're trying to take restaurant unstoppable to the next level and this is one way we can do that by just spreading the word about these tools and uh, I believe in what they're doing over there. So you're in good hands. Uh, thank you in advance. All right. Do it now. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially with this labor shortage. You need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, tasks, tips, and more all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system to 
you're already using, like Toast, to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habits, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Work ethic. What is your biggest weakness? Probably trust too much. What is one thing you ask, well, a question you ask, or a thing you look for when you're growing your team? Have you ever been a part of a team? No. What are you looking for? Obviously, yes. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> there's no right answer, yeah. honestly. I mean, it, look, it, it's some people's like, yeah, I've been part of a volleyball team. Or some are like, you know, I never have, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting how they answer that question. What's your biggest challenge today? Uh, I think, you know, f- for us personally, is uh, it's a challenge, but it's, it's also something that I'm looking forward to is is scaling culture. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I did a great workshop with the CEO or the chief, co- I can't remember his, his title, but uh, Voodoo Donuts. Yeah. Um, I got to be better about remembering. You get to like 950 interviews and you're like, who is that? Um, but it's a great episode. I'll share it with you. Don't yeah. let me forget to, yeah. to do that. Uh, what is your or one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team create trust what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team uh like something we would do in our restaurant Mm -hmm. uh we do a rumble what's that uh so pre-shift every every shift twice a day before our lunch and dinner shift the whole team they beat on the tables and make all kind of noise, and it's kind of like our, our rallying cry yeah. before we get the shift going. And so all the restaurants around the country, they do two rumbles a day. You know Mario Del Perro? I do not. Uh, uh, the founder of Mendocino Farms, uh, okay. he talks about the importance of ritual in a yeah. restaurant yeah. and how every culture has ritual yeah. and how you can think about creating a ritual in your restaurant to strengthen culture. So you're yeah. well on your way of yeah. creating that culture, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Uh, clearly define their purpose and vision. What is one a book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Start with why. Ooh, Simon, Simon Sinek. Sinek. What's the biggest lesson from that book? Exactly that. I mean, it's, what does it's it mean not, to start with why? It's because it, it's not about the results. You can't just sit here and say, "Man, I got to make this much money. I got to own these many restaurants." Like you have to have a purpose, mm. and if you don't have a purpose, it, nobody can get behind it, and you can't. Especially, you can't do anything with any significance. I think. Yeah. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've recently adopted within your restaurant that's having a huge ba- impact on communication, efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's recently, but a, a few years back, we were we were a ticket system in our kitchen and we went kds we went complete kitchen display system with the monitors and uh, it, it got us so much more efficient yeah uh give me an example of how much more efficient well i think uh table turns probably increased uh 15 to 20 percent and how, what did that what does that mean for like single unit bottom line uh, I don't know the exact dollar number, but I I guarantee it was double digits. Okay, um, and you're using toasts or yeah. You- so we have uh, some Aloha, some toast. Okay. So so toast is being implemented in some of our new restaurants. Got it. Uh, and Chris Schultz is the name. It just popped into my mind. The uh, Voodoo Donut. I oh think, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. um, I know he's in the culture. I think he might be the president or something. See, is he? 
Yeah, he is the CEO. I just did a Google. I, I cheated. I, I Google searched the episode. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, cool. So this is the last question right here. It's a doozy, so get ready for it. Okay. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? First one, uh, positive people change the world. One. Second one, um, it's not about tough love. You have to love tough. You have to love first, and then you can be tough on your team. Because if they that. know they, they if they know that you love them, you can tell them anything in the world that you want them. I to love do. that. You gotta love tough. Yeah, I love yeah, it's that. It's not tough love. It's love tough. I learned that from Dabo Sweeney. Ooh, what's number yeah. three? Number three, I think you, you you always have to value and foster relationships. Everything in this world, especially in the business world, is about relationships. And I, I guarantee I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about the success of walk-ons if it weren't for the relationships that we fostered and keep fostering. Yeah. I think it's funny. We we kind of forget the meaning of words, but like, what is a company? What is company? Yeah. It's literally the people you surround yourself exactly. with. It's relationships. It's exactly. company. It's, exactly. it's choose your company wisely. Choose your relationships wisely. It's all about relationships. Man. No doubt. Great way to wrap this thing up. Should I know who Dabo Sweeney is? Yeah, he's a head coach of Clemson. Okay, football. Team. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's I actually a franchise partner of ours. Oh, really? In the Carolinas. Oh, yeah. awesome. I was like, I don't know who that but is. But he's a great leader. Uh, he, he's one of these guys that just values culture. Is the reason why he's successful as well. Yeah. But uh, I, I heard him on a podcast one day, and he was like, "Look, I don't, I don't tough love. I love tough because yeah. I can love them." And he goes, "I can jump their ass all they want because at the end of the day, they know I still love them. I'm just teaching them accountability and and, and the things yeah. that need they need to know." Yeah. So this last part is something we wrap up every episode with and that's uh, calling somebody out and it's really becoming restaurant unstoppables north star i really want the people who n- know success and recognize success to, to call out the next guest on the show who do you respect and admire if you can't think of just one person you can give me multiple names but who are some people that or a person you think i should get on the show to make an example of somebody you respect and admire 100 percent tide breaks that's I his mean, third call yeah, out right yeah, there. Yeah, I think yeah. he's in Nashville right now. We weren't able to get a hold of him. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, look, is I've learned so much from him. Uh, I mean, our stories, our stories are somewhat similar. Um, you know, just how we got going at a young age and everybody doubting us. But you know, aside from the, the restaurant worlds that we live in, uh, we're just very close friends as well. And and um, you know, I learned a lot about just being a great father and everything that uh, he he's done the right way. And so, uh, yeah, if you can get if he if he can spare a little time to get and you can get him on here. Um, He's impressive, and you know he's only got what six or seven hundred restaurants now. Yeah, so. no, I'd love to get him on the show, Todd. <laughs> open invitation. Uh, you're always welcome. It'll be amazing. And, and uh, what if we're interested in becoming a franchise? A yeah, franchise? so so you can look at our website walk walk dot com. Uh, we got our franchising information on there, and you can reach out to anyone on our team here. We'll be happy to. And if you're in anywhere around our seventy plus locations, go check it out and check it. Have you been to one yet? Uh, are you in New Hampshire? Not yet. Oh, I'm about to go to one in like 30 minutes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> this has been awesome. Thank you, Thank you so Eric. much, Brandon. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. I appreciate it, man. Cheers. 
there's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest, Brandon Landry, for coming on. And man, lots of incredible advice, lots of positivity in today's episode. I love how you just started. You and your college friend just started. You had a vision. You built it together. You started. You sought mentors. You got experience. And you didn't stop. You didn't quit. You just kept going. It's really inspiring stuff. They also love the advice on building the house before you move into it. When you're scaling, you got to build that framing. You got to get your people. You got to build that house before you move into it. And uh, that's what happened in today's episode. Awesome stuff. If you are enjoying this podcast and you want more like it, we are asking for your help. And here's how you can do it. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. You can share this podcast with everybody and anyone you know aspiring to be great in the restaurant industry. You can come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. But here's where we're really trying to put our effort right now. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And starting back in January, I've had a videographer on the road with me capturing a lot of content and we're gonna about to drop all that content and every episode going forward we're we're gonna we're gonna make a real attempt to make these on-site in-person interviews and we're gonna have uh, a video overlay uh, a shorter version of the podcast probably 30 minute long videos of the highlight reels and it's gonna have a lot more production it's gonna be a lot more i I don't want to say it's gonna be more entertaining but it's gonna be a different type of entertainment over at YouTube, head over to youtube.com slash restaurant unstoppable and uh, really subscribing to that channel is going to help us out tremendously. So before we say goodbye, we have to say thank you to the people that help make this show possible. Thank you so much to Jared Parisi over at Sumadre Podcast for the editing and copy. And then thank you to Sam over at Sav and Sam.com for coming on the road with me and helping me capture the behind the scenes and taking this podcast to the next level. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.